Advent Vespers in 2020, you know Pastor Lyra has set up a little structure taking three of the beautiful poetic passages from Luke and calling them the songs of Advent, Luke's songs of Advent. Two weeks ago when we kicked off the Advent Wednesday season, he took us through the amazing prophetic burst that came out of the mouth of Zechariah. And we give Latin names to these. It's, it's a custom that has been going on in the church for a long time. And his poem called the Benedictus is named after the first word of his beautiful prophetic utterance, partly of how awesome our God is to bring about salvation, and then partly also the amazing ministry that his son, his miracle son, John, was going to have. Last week, you heard him take us through the amazing prophetic burst coming out of the mouth of Mary. And again, because of uh, the traditions of the church, we have given it its Latin title, the Magnificat. And her beautiful, beautiful song, actually words but turned into song, have become a staple of Christian worshiping all over the world. Uh, tonight is the final of the songs of Advent, which is a great concept except that it is neither. And I am here on a total bust this evening because, first of all, the Gloria in Excelsis that I want to think about with you for a few minutes tonight, that's the third Latin title, means glory be to God on high. First of all, it does not belong in Advent. It is a song of Christmas. And secondly, it's not a song at all because the angels didn't sing it. They spoke it. At least they spoke it originally. So that's a pretty major disappointment. So before, we, we could just quit right now, or you could vote to hear me out. Even though it's not an Advent song, it is Christmas talk. So if you're in favor of hearing what I have to say, raise your hand. Otherwise, we're done, and we can... Okay, raise your hand. I need to see him. All right. All right. That's a, a slim majority wins. All right. You'll get to hear it. So this is not an Advent song, it's Christmas talk, but see it anyway. If you have, it's a little dark here, I don't know if you're old like me, you probably can't see your Bible too well, but I'd, I'd like you to do the best you can. Perhaps looking it up on your phone might be the next best thing, but I'd like you to be referring to this. It's an ex a stunning and extraordinary story. It, in a couple verses, has so much packed in uh, we're just going to take a few faint stabs at it, and I hand it to you for your own deeper reflection on what God decided to do on Christmas Eve. So we're actually jumping. This is a flash ahead. We're jumping out of the Advent season. We're pretending that that fourth and fifth candle have been lit on the wreath. It is now deep in the night of Christmas Eve, and the baby has been born, and God decides I'm so full of excitement. I want somebody else to know about this besides the Holy Family, Mary and Joseph, and besides those animals. And of all things, what on earth do you suppose that he decides to do? He could have gone to the religious leadership, although that would be a bust. That, that did not work so well. Jesus was not really welcomed much at any point in his life on earth by the religious leadership of the Israelite people. Certainly the royalty at that time didn't want to hear about it. When King Herod heard that there had been a baby born who was the Messiah, 
his first instinct was to snuff out a threat to his dynasty. So the, the high and the mighty were not somebody that God was interested in talking to. Instead, he shared an incredible message to the lowly. Sheep herders what weren't in a shameful occupation, but it was pretty low down. Uh, have any of you ever had a third shift job in your working career? Raise your hand if you know what it's like to work third, third shift. Uh, it's not a lot of fun. I've done it a little. Uh, it's not really a treat. Uh, first of all, it's lonely work and it's dark. And no matter how you try to get your body into that rhythm of sleeping during the day and working at night, you're always, seemed to me, I was always running on fatigue. I, my body never quite accepted that. So you're always worried about falling asleep or getting dozy or sluggish while you're working in the middle of the night. You're out of sync with the rest of humanity. You're always trying to tell everybody in the house to shut up, I'm trying to sleep, and they, they can't make any noise when you are trying to get your sleep during the day. It's not, it's not really pleasant. It's for the young and people who are starting out in their jobs. And I'm sure these shepherds uh, were aspiring and looking forward to the time when they could have a first shift job. But somebody has to stay awake because sheep are expensive and valuable and their job was to make sure that no wild animals, triple threats, no wild animals got at these expensive um, assets on four legs, that no poachers got into the pen and made off and stole their sheep, or that the sheep somehow got loose and wandered off. Uh, sheep are notorious for not having a lot of sense in their head, and they always think they can do better elsewhere. So they had to be protected uh, against those three threats, threats of predators, threats of poachers, and threats of uh, their own worst enemy themselves. So these poor shepherds had to take turns uh, in, in, in sleeping during the night while some were uh, still awake. And while they are there in the hills of Bethlehem, suddenly, our story begins in Luke chapter 2, in verse 8, they were keeping watch over their flocks at night, and an angel of the Lord, just one, appeared to them. Unfortunately, this is a night service. Vesper services tend to be at night. And that means uh, because we're in the dark months of December, I cannot point you to our beautiful Christmas Eve stained glass window in the back corner, but do check it out next time you're here in the daylight because you will see that first solo angel come. Interestingly enough, most of the angels represented here look like young men. Do you ever notice the artistic conventions that Christian artists use when they're depicting angels? Uh, it, they always seem to be men. Sometimes they're children, like uh, above Jesus over here, you can see those little cherubs, but they tend not to be women. The men, though, don't have beards. You ever notice angels never seem to need to shave? They, they kind of, apparently, angel cheeks just have peach fuzz. There's no, there's no stubble or five o'clock shadow on, on the angels. Never see them with beards. But this one back here is a woman. Clearly, you can look at her face. She's clearly, uh, um, a, there, there are lady angels too. And my proof is just look at that window and that nails it, nails it down for you. And the shepherds were shocked out of their mind. This is now the third time in the stories of Luke 1 and 2 where God decides to do something extraordinary and tips off the actors in his drama 
But the heavenly messenger that he sent scares him to death. Zechariah almost jumps out of his skin. Mary trembles with fear. And these angels terrified the shepherds. Uh, In my old brain, having learned this in the King James Version, it says, and they were sore afraid. Well, even when I was a kid, I knew what sore afraid meant. Because the glory of the Lord was shining around them. And here was this bright, angelic creature hovering in the air. All I could think of was, don't hurt me. They were scared because of the power. The appearance of the angel made them feel weak. What are you doing? They had no idea what's going on. The appearance of the angel made them feel stupid and out of it. Worse, that kind of holiness and purity, the angels looked pure. And the glory that came with them, God sent a fireball of his glory from heaven. And they're suddenly bathed. It's as though fireworks, you know when fireworks go off for like a brief second when there's a big one? You can see all the landscape illuminated almost like it's daylight. That's like what it was for the whole time of the angel's visit. All of a sudden, it's broad daylight in the hills, and they're, they're like half groggy with sleep. And that bright holiness made them feel dirty. So what are you doing here? Don't hurt me. Don't kill me. Don't judge me. And don't condemn me. It made them feel like they just wanted to run away. And so for the, now the third time, this is, these are the first words of dialogue heard in the New Testament with the birth of Christ. First, the, the prediction of the birth of John the Baptist, and then with Mary, and now finally with these shepherds. The first dialogue words we hear are, don't be afraid. And it is the most beautiful way to sum up the gospel ever, isn't it? And those, those are God's advent words for you too. No matter what is going on in your life, no matter what is messing with your world, whether it's somebody you know or love who's been struck with COVID, whether you have trouble getting moving around because of your arthritis or the way your body starts slow, whether it's all the things you cannot do right now with things that have been restricted, whether it's something that COVID has done to mess with your job and disrupt your income stream, God's message keeps coming to us in the Advent time. Don't be afraid. I got it under control. Don't be afraid. I have a plan. Don't be afraid. My angels are here, and they're not here to hurt you or to judge you. They are here to help you and to evangelize you. God didn't send these particular angels to kill Assyrians, although he did that once. He didn't send them as he's going to send them at the end of all time to scoop up the unbelievers and haul them off to hell. Nope. This time they did their basic core function. Uh, Angel comes from the Greek word angelo, which means to share a message, to be a talker. And the angels were messengers first. That's their core function. And God used them as his talkers. And in this particular time, he had good news for them. So the angel said, I bring you good news of great joy. Interestingly enough, the angel says, he, the Greek word here is oiangelizo, which means I'm, bring, I'm evangelizing you. I'm bringing you good news of great joy. 
And it's not just for you, but it's for all. I bring a universal message. No fear. It's good news, and it will leave you happy. It brings great joy. No matter what messes are going on in your life, uh, you clearly don't have a lot of money because you're scraping along on a bottom-end job like night work, keeping an eye on animals. Clearly, these were very humble individuals, probably young and just starting out their working career. The owners of those animals didn't have to stay up all night watching, and you better believe it. He hired peons and lowly ones to do it. So you may be lowly in the eyes of the world, but you are rich in God's sight and rich with God's treasures. And that same thing can be said of you. No matter what Satan may try to do to you in this Advent season to make you feel inadequate, stupid, a loser, and stuff's falling apart in your life, making you feel like a failure, and he's going to work on you every day to somehow take you down, bring you down, and make you feel low. The angel that comes on Christmas Eve will lift you up again because this angel is bringing, uh, it must be a she because her picture is on that window. She has good news of great joy. That's for all the people, which includes you. Today, here's the news, in the town of David, in Bethlehem, right here in town, they're out in the hills, and it's called David's town because that's where he was from. Now, that was a long time ago. That was a millennium ago. Do you know how long time, how long a time God has been cooking this plan? A thousand plus years, and longer. The spot at which the Son of God is going to arrive was not a helicopter chopper pad on the top of the swankiest hotel in the biggest city on earth. He wasn't going to ride up in, uh, in a triumph procession like the Roman conquerors when the Roman generals would come back after a successful campaign. They would have a parade miles long and show off all their plunder and booty, hopefully also the defeated general in chains standing on a float that they would drag through and jeer at him. No, the Son of God is going to come to earth in a stable, in little Bethlehem. And he's going to come as a gesture of respect towards David, a man after God's own heart. And God picked David's town to be the place where the Savior is going to arrive. And there's an, it goes even deeper than that. David's family um, came you know, through, he was from the tribe of Judah. And that means that he goes all the way back to Ruth and Boaz. And Boaz's mother, Rahab, was a, uh, a Moabite who was living in Jericho. She was not even an Israelite, and yet she married into the, what became the royal line of the Savior. And that area had been staked out for that family. They'd lived in Bethlehem for all that time. Uh, that was 400 years before David when, and the exiles out of Egypt, the escapees from Egypt settled there. There were, David's family was living in the Bethlehem area, Ephrata, uh, for all that time. So this, this significance of this piece of real estate goes back 1,400 years. So God finally gave Bethlehem its greatest dignity ever. A Savior has been born to you. And that's the coolest words. The coolest words are not only Savior, but to you. 
God wasn't just showing off, like, let's see if I can pull this off to have the fullness of the deity become incarnate in human flesh to rescue foolish sinners from the consequences of their sins. Let's see if I can do it. Uh, so that the a video game, the ultimate video game, where God can actually pull off this amazing stunt. No, he's not doing it primarily for his benefit. He's doing it for our benefit. The Savior was born to you for your benefit. Extraordinary. Say that, put your own name in there. Say this in your mind right now. The Savior has been born and put your own name to, to me, for me. He is Christ the Lord. These names just get stacked up. Savior is the one who rescues people who cannot save themselves. Christ the Messiah is the one who is God's anointed to do battle. He is the fulfillment of God's promise to Eve at the beginning of the human race and its terrible fall into sin. This is the champion who's going to be wounded in the heel but is going to crush the serpent's head. He is the Lord. The God name is used, Kyrios. This will be your sign. Here's how you will find your Savior, your Christ, your Lord. Look for a baby. What? A baby wrapped in strips of cloth. What? What? Like a poor baby? Like a, like a foundling? Like a baby left at the door of a police station? This isn't, if you're wrapped in strips of cloth, your parents weren't expecting you, and the babies who were wrapped in strips of cloth either were born in such extreme poverty that they could not even afford to have one little nighty for the baby, one little onesie or whatever or somebody who was completely caught by surprise, as like Mary and Joseph, or somebody who maybe didn't want the baby. So this is a sign of the humility of this baby. And it's a baby, so small. And lying in a manger, what? Three what's in a row, lying in a manger. Now you know the reason for that humbleness. Those weren't accidents. This wasn't just, gosh, Joseph and Mary got away with some really dumb planning. Like, aren't, aren't women supposed to have the, their due date like totally planned out and they, they have their whole last couple of weeks scripted so that uh, they're ready at any time when this baby would come? It sure looks like this. They didn't, like Mary and Joseph were not planning. Maybe Mary's OBGYN uh, was off by about three weeks and he told her, now you've got nothing to worry about. You can make that that run from Nazareth down to Bethlehem, easy, and make it back easy, no problem. And uh, suddenly, here, here came the little one. And they didn't have clothes. She didn't have a little, you know, her little baby bag. You know, like, like um, moms who are getting close to giving birth already have their baby bag all put together with tiny little diapers and a nook and all the other stuff and wipes and all the other stuff you need, the layettes and blankies and a little hat, a little knit hat. Did Mary make a little beanie for Jesus? Who knows? It looks like this caught him by surprise because all they could do was rip up some cloth. I wouldn't be surprised, but that Joseph's robe was a little bit shorter. He now had high, a high water robe because the, the bottom six inches were needed to be ripped off to wrap around the baby. They weren't thinking was coming right that fast. And, the, and because they were not ready, they had to give birth in a barn. And you know the reason for that humility. For this was the beginning of Jesus' state of humiliation, to be born like a servant, even a slave. 
and to be a slave to set us free, to be wounded to make us whole, to have a body to be humbled even to the point of death so he could give us life. This is good news. This is the good tidings of great joy which shall be for all people. And say it to your heart, for me, because I need it and he's all I need. This is what is going to fill in the missing pieces in my life and give me something to hang on to so I can cope with all the messes and brokenness in my world and sad to say in my life. Suddenly, that lady angel had company. Now, you know, don't you? I'm, that's my personal theory. I'm basing it off the window uh, that this was a girl angel. You know that, right? Okay, just, just saying. Suddenly, this angel, who I think was a woman, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared. Uh, the word, the Greek word for host is astratia. It's an army. The army of heaven showed up. So suddenly, there was, this angel had a lot of company and they all burst into praises to God because they could see what was happening and they had it figured out. And they praised God and they were saying, now we like their song so much that we have turned it into, into music. And there are dozens and dozens, probably hundreds of musical settings for this. It's called in Latin, Gloria in excelsis Deo, in the highest places, Deo, to God, et in terra pax, and on peace, um, hominibus bone voluntatis, to people of God's goodwill or God's favor. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to people upon whom his favor rests. And here will be my last little celebration of this song of Advent. I do hope you don't mind. We're going to rechristen this as a song of Advent just for tonight. Even though it's a Christmas talk, we're going to call it the Gloria in Excelsis Advent song. Glory to God. God has three kinds of glory. The first is his own radiance. Just around him is a glow. There always is. Every glimpse that human beings have been able to have been given of what it looks like in heaven talks about the radiance emanating from God. It was so intense that when Moses would get close to God, he got radioactive as well. And his face began to glow, although it wore off because he was mortal and human and sinful. But God's glow does not wear off. Secondly, the glory of the Lord is that bright cloud of God's presence when he's on the move to do something really cool for advancing his plan of salvation. The glory of the Lord, for instance, appeared to Abraham to guarantee his covenant. It appeared in, as a burning bush to Moses, a bush that would not burn up. It appeared as a bright pillar of fire and cloud to give guidance to the Israelites and to be a defense against the Egyptians army. That's the second kind of glory of the Lord. The third kind of glory of the Lord, which God does not have, it has to be given to him, is the praises coming out of your heart, your mind, and your mouth, and your life. Glory also is something you can give to God, and he won't have it unless you give it. So what these angels are saying is glory to God in the highest. We are giving him praises and invite all people grateful for their Christmas Savior to give God praise.
personal praise and glory. You own it. You have it. It's in your possession. And God will only get it if you give it up. So you got to decide if you're going to do that or not. Glory to God in his highest places and on earth. And here is his sweet gift to you. When you are putting your head on your pillow, say to yourself, I have God's peace. Everything is good between me and God, foolish sinner that I am. Because there is now peace among the people, the hominibus, upon whom his favor rests. If you have the favor of God resting upon you, you can handle anything. You can face any evil. You can listen and fight off and defeat the lies of Satan himself. And you can have a happy feeling in your heart. It's all good. I am loved. I am forgiven. I am favored. I am immortal through what Jesus came to do. This is our third and final Advent song, and we celebrate it and say it, or even sing it, with those angels, Gloria in excelsis Deo, glory to God in the highest. And I leave you with just one final thought. You may be really looking forward to Christmas, but there may be some people you know, or some people in your life, or maybe some of you fit into this camp who are dreading Christmas, because it seems to promise transformational magic. Christmas will make everything better. I'm going to like my life on Christmas. It's going to be happy on Christmas. It'll be fun on Christmas. But a lot of people, Christmas just reminds them of what they don't have. A divorcee who remembers the days of when she was married and, and all the kids were home, but now her apartment is pretty dark. She pulls the blinds down and gets out a quart of vodka and starts drinking to dull the pain. A man who is not able to celebrate Christmas with his children because he got into huge fights with the children's mother and she kicked him out of the house. And so he no longer can hear the squeals of joy from his children. An older person living far away from her children who hopes somebody calls and remembers her and hopes they stay on the line for more than three minutes because she's very, very lonely. Somebody in a nursing home who not only has to struggle with physical weakness, but now is not even allowed to see visitors to come to see her. You are in a fabulous position, not only to give glory to God, but to give some joy to the people around you. Please do not assume that everybody in your world is really excited about Christmas. Some people dread it because it's going to remind them of things they want but they cannot have. Share some joy and share some love with everybody in your life, realizing that some of them are filled with brokenness and depression and dreading the coming of Christmas because it's going to look like everybody else has got it going on but me, and they are in their own personal little hole. With news like this, you and I can become part of the Angel Evangelization Brigade and share good news that this joy is for all the people. This is good news for God's people. Amen. Lord bless you. This message was a production of St. Marcus Lutheran Church. For similar content, subscribe on iTunes, 
Google Play, or our YouTube channel. For more information about how to support our urban gospel ministry in Milwaukee, please visit stmarcus.org.